I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the spirit of God who is here to lead us and guide us into all truth. So, Lord, as I step back, I thank you for the Holy Spirit stepping up so that the words that we hear will lead from being a Logos word and it'll change into a rhema word, a word that is alive, a word that will change our lives. And so I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders following your word as we hear it, as we believe it, and as we do it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray and let everybody say, Amen, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week I spoke on the topic next level growth. Everybody say next level growth. And part of the lesson involved us taking a spiritual commitment test. And after taking the test, both services had more people that fell into the level two, three, and four category than the level one category, which was the fully committed category. Everybody say fully committed. And so what I did as the pastor of Water Truth Family Church, I challenged everybody to change to a level one or to change to being a fully committed believer. And so I'm happy to report that the majority of our, our church is now fully committed to Christ and his ways of doing things. Can you just give the Lord a hand clap and yourselves a hand clap right there? And so in order to live out a fully committed life, I need to instruct you on how to do that. And so our lesson today, if you're taking notes, is entitled Living at the Next Level. Everybody say living at the next level. Now turn your Bibles or find 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look in verse 18, 2 Peter 3, 18. And then we're going to look in James chapter 1, verses 22. That was 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 18, and then James chapter 1, verses 22. Now, I want you to know in advance that this message is going to be one of those messages that kind of pricks you. You know, sometimes it takes a stirring up or it takes a poking sometimes for us to move. In other words, like uh, an eagle, when she has what they call eaglets, when these little birds are born... They reach a point where, you know, the mom is feeding them. She'd go and get food and bring it back. When, when they reach a stage where it's time for them to grow and fly, then what she does is she takes her feathers in the nest and she flops them real bad. And what it does is it stirs up the nest. So now the branches that were in the nest that were laying flat begin to stick up and now the chicklets begin to be uncomfortable in the nest because the mom is trying to get them out and learn to fly. Well, this is that kind of message that's just going to poke you just a little bit. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready to get poked. 
I only have one point for you this morning, and uh, I'm going to try my best to stay on this one point throughout our lesson, and here it is. Growing is intentional, not accidental. I'm going to say that again. Growing is intentional, not accidental. Say this with me. Say, growing is intentional, not accidental. This not only applies to the spirit, but it also applies to the flesh. In order for a person to grow, they have to eat food. Do you agree with me? Well, the same thing spiritually. If we don't eat, then we won't grow. In 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, it says this, but grow, and the word grow means to increase and enlarge. It says, but grow, increase and enlarge in grace, and grow and increase and enlarge in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growth becomes intentional when, watch this, what we know and what we say we believe, watch this, matches what we do. I'm going to say that again. Growth becomes intentional when what we know and what we say we believe matches what we do. I'll give an example. If you're trying to lose some weight and, uh, you know, you know you need to get on some type of workout program and maybe, maybe, you know, do some exercise and maybe lift some weights or something. And if you know that and your desire is to lose weight but the only thing you lift is a fork, how many know what you believe and what you're doing doesn't match? Okay, so that was too much of a sensitive area. Well, let's, let's, just use, let's use another one. Let's say, for instance, uh, you know, you desire to not get speeding tickets. But for some reason, your foot still does not believe. And uh, you're going 75 and a 55. How many know that what you're doing doesn't match what you say you believe? Amen. And so in order for us to grow intentionally, we must do what we say we believe. In other words, we must become doers of the word and not just hearers. James, go to James chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 22. James chapter 1 verse 22. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any person is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his face in a glass. For he beholds himself, he goes his way, and then he forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues, say continue, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but read it with me. But a doer of the word, keep reading, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, I'm going to read that out of the NIV version. This is what it says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Verse 25, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. 
In other words, God's word is saying, when we do what we hear and we do what we know, blessings follow. Now, I know how many of you have uh, been in a funeral service or something or even a church service and somebody will get up and read a scripture and they say, may the Lord add a blessing to those who hear the word. How many know that's not right? He don't just hear it. It, says, it didn't say just you bless when you hear it. It says in the last verse that we are blessed when we do it. Did you notice that? So watch this now. The blessings follow the doers and not the hearers only. And this is why you can come to church and people's lives are at different stages. We, you know, it's never the church issue if one person is being blessed and one person's not and they're both sitting under the same word, it can't be the word, it has to be the person. So most of us in this room, we, we are uh, grown enough to hear the word, but here's the problem. Most believers, when it's time to do it is when we have problems. Now, I'm about to shock you with something. If you are saved, your works are being appraised. I'm going to say that again. If you are saved, your works are being appraised. Say this with me. Say, if you're saved, your works are being appraised. Now, let me explain what I'm talking about. The Bible says that by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. The Bible says it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So works don't save you. But then watch this. After we're saved, we're supposed to do works. Now, when I say that if you're saved, your works are being appraised, they are, okay, think about it. How many have bought a house before? Let me tell you the process if you haven't. Typically, when you find a house and you, you know, negotiate on the price and, and before the bank will fund your house, they will make sure an appraisal is done on the property. The appraisal, what it does is shows the bank the value of the house that you're purchasing. Okay? Now, that's the same thing that happens when we get saved. Once you're saved now, God is appraising your works. Because, watch this now, your works or what's determining your blessings. You say, well, Pastor, I don't believe that. Let me read James chapter uh, uh, 1 again. Let me just read the bottom part. It says, but whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Notice he didn't say a doer of the word. He changed it to say a doer of the work. Because, listen, it takes work to do the word. He said, a doer of the work, this man, say this man. This man shall be blessed in his deed. So if you are a believer, God is now looking at the fruit you are producing to determine your blessings. Now go to John chapter 15 because some of you all may not believe this. But, but I, I want to show you why sometimes Christians struggle. You know why you're probably, there are only two reasons why Christians struggle financially. You want me, ask me what it is. Either they're mismanaging the money they have and or they're not putting God first in their money. See, some people think tithing will fix a poor management problem. It doesn't. All right, but at least it puts you in position 
for God to bless you. But what happens is if you're tithing and you're not managing properly, then when the increase comes, you'll never see it because you've, you've already overcommitted yourself. Can I get an amen from the church? So people, what's, what's funny is that what believers need the most is what they withhold the most. Did you hear what I said? What we need the most, we withhold the most. Now, John 15 shows us this whole principle behind blessings and working or producing fruit. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, watch this now, that it may bring forth more fruit. In other words, God is looking for you to do more this year than you did last year. Don't get comfortable by saying, well, I work in the nursery one time a month. Well, you know what? You're going to get a one time a month blessing. You know, I don't understand how as believers, uh, let's take teaching. You're a teacher as a profession, and you teach all week, and then you come to church, and you don't want to teach your kids, or you don't want to teach a true group. Well, why give the world your gift and not give God your gift? Watch this now. Verse 3. He says, Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken. Remain in me, and I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same bring forth what? Everybody say much fruit. Much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Watch this now. This is important. And it shall be done unto you. And herein is my Father glorified because you bear much fruit. Notice he says if you will bear much fruit, you will be able to ask the Father for anything. In other words, you have asking status with God if you produce much fruit. Now, if, 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 if I read that for the first time and I understood it by saying, okay, if, if, if I can produce much fruit, he said, I can ask what I will, then I would go about doing some fruit, wouldn't you? So most people don't know what it means to produce fruit. So I want to show you what it means to produce fruit. First of all, when you define that word fruit in the Bible... It means works, acts, or deeds. Everybody say this. Say works, acts, deeds. One more time. Works, acts, deeds. Let's do it again. Okay, so when Jesus was saying, he said, uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much works, acts, or deeds. Now go to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 8. Because producing fruit that he talked about in John 15 and doing works are the same thing. This is why the devil wants to get many Christians to not do anything in a church. He's trying to get you from doing works in a church because works equals fruit. And so he knows that if I produce some fruit, 
The Bible even says, number one, I'm going to be blessed in my doing. And then number two, it says, I can ask what I will. So you know what? His goal is to keep you from doing anything in a church. His goal is to keep you from doing good works. Titus chapter 3, look in verse 8. It says, this is a faithful saying, and these things will I affirm constantly, that they which believe in God, how many believe in God? Let me see your hand. All right, it said those who believe in God might be careful to maintain what? Good works. These things are good and profitable unto me. And notice he's saying that we need to maintain good works. That means that you shouldn't stop. And I'm going to show you why you shouldn't stop. But notice why he said the good works are there. It said, watch this, because this is profitable for men. See, one of the ways that people should know that you are a believer is through the works that you do. The Bible says that we should let our light shine before men so they may see our good works and glorify God. The, the best way to show somebody that you are a believer is not you carrying a Bible to work. It's you, watch this, living that Bible at work. That's the best way that people will know. And if you'll notice here, he says that we may be careful to maintain good works. Now go to Titus chapter 3, verse 13, because I'm going to show you that works and producing fruit are the same. Now, those of you who are doing works in this church, don't tune me out because the goal of the enemy is not just to keep you from doing any works in the church, but to poison you when you start doing works in the church. This is why people, when they start getting involved, then his goal is to offend you. His goal is to corrupt your thinking. His goal is to make sure that you become negative like Martha did. Now watch this. Titus chapter 3, look at verse 13. He says, bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. Verse 14. And let ours also learn to maintain, there's that word again, maintain what? Good works for necessary uses that they, the person who's doing these good works, be not, what's the next word? Unfruitful. So that means that as long as you and I are doing good works, then we are fruitful. When we're not doing good works, we become unfruitful. So watch this now. Fruitfulness equals good works. Watch this. Which equals blessings. Unfruitfulness, which means I'm not doing any works, produces no blessing. Now you can probably see why your life has sporadic blessings. The enemy wants us to become inconsistent. He wants us to become unstable. He wants us to, be, he wants us to eat our fruit. See, on the spiritual side, a lot happened to Adam and Eve. The enemy wanted Adam and Eve to eat that fruit. You know why? Because he knew that if they ate the fruit, it would stop them from producing fruit. And that's what he wants us to do. God will start blessing you. Oh, now I don't have to come to church no more. See, you forgot the very thing that you did that got you where you were. Is the same thing you have to maintain doing. But what he does, he corrupts. And so he'll, let's say you're an usher. You came in, you had your good time. You put your praise and worship music on, on the, in the car. Got here early, set up everything. And now you're ushering with a smile. 
got a little spring in your step. And so now, you know, uh, uh, Miss, Miss, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Lake comes in. And you very nicely and kindly with a smile present them with the direction where you want them to see. And instead of sitting there, they go the opposite direction. The enemy wants you to get upset. So now, you don't realize that your attitude, watch this now, can hurt or help the kind of fruit that you bear. When your attitude gets negative, it's like biting an apple that's rotten. So now the next person comes along and you upset with Mr. and Mrs. Lake. So you do the same actions, but on the inside your attitudes change. So this is what it looks like now. You can't let the enemy contaminate your service towards God. Amen. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you don't have to go there. I'm going to read verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always. Say always. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. He's saying, you know what? You should never not be doing something for God. Now, here's the lie that the enemy plants in a lot of our minds. Well, I don't really need to volunteer in church because they have enough people. How many know that's a lie? No, no. There is something for everybody to do. And, and, and we confuse sometimes what we're supposed to be doing versus what, some, what is for somebody else. In other words, if you go to true group, that's, that's not serving. That's you. That's for you. That's you eating. Going to true group is like, you say, well, well that's for people. Not unless you are the true group facilitator. If you're the true group facilitator, then guess what? Then now you're putting forth effort. You're putting in some works. But if you're not the true group facilitator, then true group is really for you. See, that's just like me eating and saying, were you fool? You fool? That don't make sense. I eat and then ask you, did you get fooled? Well, you didn't eat. Well, that's the same thing. When there are certain things, see, like giving. Giving is not for the church per se, it's for you. And that's, like, that's why people, they, 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 they hurt themselves by thinking it's hurting somebody else. It's just like uh, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, we think it hurts the person, but it really hurts us. So watch this now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, I'm going to read it. It says, Now if any man builds on the foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work, say work, Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day will declare it because their work will be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work, say work, of whatever sort it is. If any man's work, say work, if any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a what? Everybody say reward. So guess what? At the end of the day, we are rewarded for the works that we do. Another word for reward is blessed. Now, let me ask you a question. How many in here would like to see more blessings than what you're seeing? You know what? I wonder how many of you who raised your hand are doing something here at Word of Truth Family Church or if you're visiting at your church. And this is why the devil will cause us to have amnesia. What we'll try to do is we'll try to look at what we did 10 years ago 
and try to bring it up today and say, well, I, I served the Lord for 10 years straight. But what are you doing today? You know, God does have a Janet Jackson attitude. What have you done for me lately? <laughs> now, let's close by explaining what happens when the word comes. Go to Mark chapter 4. Go to Mark 4. Mark chapter 4. Let me just show you. Once you and I stop producing works, then guess what? That means the word is being choked somewhere in our life. In Mark chapter 4, it says in verse 14, it says, The sower sows the word. And these are they which by the wayside, when the word is sown, when they heard it, Satan comes when? Immediately, and he takes away what? The word that was sown in their heart. Notice now the enemy ain't trying to take your blessings. Because see, your blessings can always be duplicated from your works. So the only thing that he tries to do is take the word which causes you to do the works. He tries to keep that, get that word from your heart. It says that he comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. When they have heard the word, what's the next word? Immediately they receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves, but they endure for a time. Afterwards, watch this now, this is where he messes with our attitude when we're doing the works. When affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are what? Offended. And then these are they which are sown among thorns. When they hear the word, watch this now, because here's where a lot of believers fall into this category. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in, and what happens to the word? And then once the word is choked, I want y'all to see this, once the word is choked, what happens to my fruitfulness? I become unfruitful. And so that's why you have to protect the word that you hear. Everybody said you got to protect the word. See, you can't let the devil or the enemy or even your co-workers get in your ear and say, why are you working at that church? Oh, are you going to that church that ain't got no building? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you going to that church? Oh, yeah, my friend used to go there, and uh, uh, they lost their house. Well, what did that have to do with the church? Well, that's what I want to know. All he's trying to do is put a seed. Once that seed comes in and tries to choke that word, this is what happens. When the word starts coming, if it gets here, you know, this is where you get choked, right? So what you have to do is that you may have to maintain right here. See, this is your heart. You can't let offense get past that. So what happens is Christians will get offended and, and, and little things bother them. There's a member that goes out, that they are a member of our church, but they haven't been to church in five years. If you ask them what church you go to, World True Family Church is my church, but they haven't been in five years. And here's why they say they don't come. It's because they don't want to be around hypocrites. Well, let me ask you a question. Is anybody in this room, does anybody have a perfect life? Let me say, anybody? Not one, not even the pastor got a perfect life. So we're all in a hospital. Okay, so, so 
why is this person going, what they're doing is they're trying to justify why they're not doing the right thing. Because everybody has an issue that they're working on. And if you notice here, it says that the word is getting choked. And in verse 20 says, and these are they which are sown on good ground. Say good ground. These are people who hear the word and receive it. They bring forth fruit. What's another way of saying that? They start doing some works. And watch what happens. They get some blessings. 30-fold, 60, and what else? A hundred-fold. So then how do we apply this? We apply it by making sure we not only maintain doing some good works, but we maintain a good attitude while we're doing it. Because your attitude will corrupt your actions. Do you realize that? How many have been upset at work and it, and it affected your quality of work? If your boss got on your nerve or did something wrong to you, you know, it, it bothers you. Well, that's why you have to not only start some works, and there are some people in this room today. God wants to bless your socks off, and he's waiting on you to do something. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean do something? Okay. He's waiting on you to volunteer and serve. See, you know, it's one thing to do works outside the kingdom. See, volunteering for the United Way, that's, that's not for the kingdom. Oh, those are good works, but those are good works for the world. What are you doing to impact the kingdom of God? What are you doing? Did you come to church today to be blessed or to be a blessing? See, God has a lot of children whose names are gimme. Gimme this, gimme that, gimme this, gimme that. And he's saying, I, I want to give it to you, but what you going to give me? Do you know that our relationship with God is an exchanging relationship? I'll put it like this and I'm closing. The Bible says if you will draw close to God, that means we go first, then God will draw close to us. So he doesn't move. Listen now. Because some of y'all mad at God. God hasn't moved because you haven't. How many want your blessings to increase? Let me see your hand. Then you know what? Look, keep your hand up. Now just look at somebody with their hand up and say, what are you doing for God? With every hand down. I have a question. Every head bow right there. We're closing right here. This is what I want to know. Because I, I just want to make sure I'm on target with what I'm teaching. How many in here currently are not doing anything to serve in this church? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. My hand's all up. Raise them up real high, real high, real high, real high. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's, that's 80% of the room. Put your hand down. I know what I'm saying is for you. God is saying, find something to do. Don't let anybody, well, I call, nobody call me back. So what? Get in the game. Show up anyway. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that those who hear this word, those who are already serving, God, thank you for them. Thank you for their attitudes, staying pure, staying holy, 
staying presentable. And I pray that the blessings of the Lord which makes them rich and add no sorrow will flood their lives. Father, those who raise their hands and say, I'm not doing anything, I pray that this word will convict them like never before. That when they sleep, they'll know, I need to be serving. When they wake up, I need to serve. When they go back to sleep, while they're at work, I need to serve. I pray that today's word will prick their conscience in such a way that they won't have the peace that they need until they start doing something. And Lord, I pray that when they start, that the blessings of God will start to flow. The homes that I, I see some people who have been applying for a house and, and it hasn't worked for you. And God is saying, if you'll start working for me, I'll make that work for you. There are some people who need new cars and, and need some things in your life. He says, if you'll do for me, I'll do for you. And Lord, I thank you that today there will mark, this will mark a serious note in their lives that they will see the blessings like they've never seen before. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, in other words, if you died today and you're not sure you